The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church, and welcome in the name of Jesus. I'm glad you're with us this morning. Next Sunday is December 13th, and we are planning to cautiously reinstate our in-person gathering here at the church. We remain as committed as ever to our online stream as well, and as committed as ever to our coronavirus precautions, such as social distancing, lowered seating capacity, prepackaged communion, and of course, mandatory masks. So I hope if you're able that you'll come join us next Sunday, December 13th in person. If you're not able, I hope you will continue to tune in on the live stream so that we can stay connected during this season as we await the time when we can all come back together. So we continue in Advent restoration this morning. It is the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday traditionally known as the Sunday of Peace, which brings us to one of our lectionary texts this morning, Psalm 85, verses 1 and 2 and 8 through 13. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you. I thank you for this church body. I pray that you would bless each and every person who is tuning in right now and that you would bless those who are not tuning in but those who need your presence, those who long and seek after your heart. God, grant us your peace. God, give me the gift of preaching and allow this text through the power of your Holy Spirit to illuminate your gospel truth in our lives. Jesus, it's in your precious name we pray all these things. Amen. In Advent, we wait for a kiss. That's the way most good love stories ends, right? With a kiss. Throughout this movie, we see two conflicted people. People who are, at times, seemingly too at odds with one another. And yet, we wait and we watch and we're engrossed because we know that things are headed towards their final embrace, towards a kiss, the end of the story. And that's what we wait for in Advent. We wait for the restoration and finally the kiss of God's righteousness and peace. Psalm 85 is a psalm of restoration. And the psalmist is saying, God, you've restored us in the past. We're in trouble right now. 
Restore us again. God, we look to that salvation of yours that is at hand, the salvation that ends with steadfast love and faithfulness meeting. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Today is the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of peace, and it's today that we look ahead to the end of the story, that we look ahead to the kiss we all await of God's righteousness and peace. But before we continue, I want to change translations, because we've been in the NRSV, righteousness and peace will kiss each other, but that word righteousness doesn't quite capture what the actual word is getting at. Right? We hear the word righteousness and we might think of a very pious person who follows these very strict legal codes to the letter. And that's, of course, present in righteousness. It is right conduct. It is following God's law. But what's missing is the flavor of justice. The word righteousness to our ears is this kind of stuffy word with moralism and legalism connotations, but righteousness in scripture is closely tied and married and infused with justice. It is not just about our human right conduct doing the right thing. It's also God making things right. It's God making sure everyone is whole, has well-being. It's God making sure that goodness and justice reign in the world. That's what righteousness is. And so we're going to continue this morning with a little bit different translation, a translation that says love and truth will meet, justice and peace will kiss. Love and truth are a pretty common pairing in the Old Testament. God's steadfast love and faithfulness, love and truth. It happens all the time. But justice and peace, these two words don't come together quite as often. They're a little bit more of an odd pairing, but it still is an important reflection of the future harmony to which God is pointing, that harmony of justice kissing peace when God restores all things. That is what we are waiting for on the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of Peace. And it is something we're waiting for. Justice and peace right now so often fail us. So often they don't live up. They fall short in the here and now. And I think of all the ways that justice and peace fall short in our present right now, in your life, in my life, in our country, in our world. And I especially think of the way justice and peace has fallen short, especially in the last century, the 20th century, A century filled with many, many atrocities of justice being injustice, of peace being chaos. And I think particularly to the nation of South Africa and apartheid. Maybe you're like me and you don't know all that much about apartheid. Maybe you do. Maybe you're really knowledgeable. But I've never felt like I've really known all that much about what apartheid in South Africa really was all about. I've seen the movie Invictus. I thought Morgan Freeman was a great Nelson Mandela. Couldn't really tell you much of what the movie was about today other than racism and rugby. But apartheid, what I'm learning is, of course, very similar to segregation and the history of racism in America. Because apartheid really does mean 
Segregation, it means separation. You think of the word apartheid, aparthood, this kind of state of being separated. And it was really a series of legal policies and laws put in place in South Africa from about the 1940s to the 1990s. And they were put in place by this European white minority that actually ruled in the country over the native black South Africans. And these series of laws and oppression and exploitation came about and separated people based on race, based on skin color. And it was really one of the most egregious things that happened was that black South Africans were removed from their homes, even 3.5 million, in fact, over the course of just about two decades, were removed forcibly from their homes, were put into these kind of tribal homelands by the white minority ruling class, and the black South African citizenship was revoked. It was a time of terrible suffering and strife and violence. There were secret police, there was murder, there was awful, awful violence and hatred. Justice and peace did not kiss. In fact, they were torn asunder. And so, in 1994, when apartheid was ending and Nelson Mandela was elected president, the first black democratically elected president of South Africa, he appointed a Christian Archbishop Desmond Tutu, to head up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. This was a commission tasked with trying to find some semblance of justice and reconciliation and peace while still hearing the truth about the atrocities that happened in apartheid. And Tutu eloquently describes this roller coaster ride of a struggle for justice and peace in his country. He says, at one moment, we would experience the most wonderful joy, euphoria even, at some new and crucial initiative. We would see the promised land of peace and justice around the corner. Then, just when we thought we had entered the last lap, something ghastly would happen, a massacre, a deadlock, brinksmanship of some kind, a walkout by one delegation or another, and we would be scraping the bottom of despair and despondency. This is the search for justice and peace in our world, in our moment, in this present age. It is grasping for it and coming up short, reaching for it, but never finally, lastingly finding it. Justice and peace, not kissing, but being torn asunder. And we feel this way not only because justice and peace feel absent, but at times justice and peace feel at odds. That justice and peace feel not only impermanent, but in conflict. That not only are they not kissing, but they seem to be coming to blows. It seems like we have to emphasize either justice or peace, to err on one side or the other that folks seem to choose to emphasize justice so much to the detriment of peace, or that they emphasize peace so much to the detriment of justice. I think back to the racial and societal unrest after the awful killing of George Floyd this past summer. And if you think about folks on the extreme ends, 
you find people who seem willing to laser focus on justice even while cities burn, and on the other end, we seem to find people laser focused on peace even if it means living with injustice, stomaching injustice only to have no societal unrest, not even peaceful protest. It seems that folks err on either one side or the other because they feel like they're in conflict. And what happens is that we get neither justice nor peace. It feels that we seek either justice to the detriment of peace or peace to the detriment of justice and we wind up without justice or peace because here's the bottom line. You can't have one without the other. What kind of justice can you have while small businesses are burning? What kind of peace can you have while people are oppressed through racism? That is not justice And that is not peace. And in fact, Martin Luther King Jr. said something similar in 1964 after he received the Nobel Peace Prize. He said in a letter, he said, there can be no justice without peace and there can be no peace without justice. If you try to have one without the other, you end up with neither. You get injustice and you get chaos and unrest I think of a biblical example from the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter six, when God is talking to these prophets and priests in Israel, these false prophets, in chapter six, verses 13 and 14, where he says, for from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. The fates of justice and peace are intertwined. You can't have God's perfect future without both justice and peace. Perfect justice and lasting eternal peace. Because when we say peace in the Old Testament, that word shalom, it's not just the absence of conflict. It's not just the absence of hostilities. It is an active wholeness and well-being for God's people. God's peace is his justice. And his justice is his ultimate lasting peace. We can't have one without the other. They're intertwined. And it's this kiss of justice and peace, intertwined, that we await in Advent. We await it at Advent specifically and emphasize it here because it is with the coming of the Messiah that justice and peace will finally reign. Justice and peace begin to reign in the incarnation and will last and finally come to completion when Jesus comes in the second Advent. We see this in Isaiah, when Isaiah famously says that a child has been born for us, a son given to us, his authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. 
This is exactly what can only come with the Messiah. The kiss of justice and peace for eternity. That is what we await when we await the second coming of Jesus Christ because in Jesus, God restores true justice and perfect peace. In Jesus, God restores true justice and perfect peace, and he begins to do that at the table. It's at the table that we find Jesus finally bringing justice and peace together. This table is a foretaste of a wedding feast, and it is at this wedding feast that we finally see justice and peace kissing eternally. And so when we worship, when we sing songs, we are singing the soundtrack of the final kiss. When we come together at the table, we are clinking our glasses, daring justice and peace to finally come fully in perfection. When we light Advent candles, we are lifting our torches high for the union of justice and peace in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, human and divine unite. In Jesus, heaven and earth embrace. And at Jesus' table, justice and peace finally meet in a kiss. Amen.